When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rockin' Radio's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandon BK Kylie. This is before the box score. We're in fall camp, but we're not talking about fall camp. Not today, baby. We're talking about recruiting. We're talking about recruits. We're talking about five-star recruits coming to Missouri. BK, have you caught up from all the activities from yesterday? I have. It's wonderful. It's a great day to be a Tiger. It's been a great week to be a Tiger. If you're a Mizzou basketball or football fan, combination of both, it's been a really nice week for you. Um, One of the best like 10-day stretches of recruiting probably in the history of Mizzou athletics. You got a consensus five-star rated defensive end. I love, I I think it's on three that's calling him a five-star plus player. I don't know where where that came from, but knock yourself out. That's a fun one. They called him a franchise caliber defensive end, which is, it's just been really enjoyable to hear that stated about the man who uh, was apparently, according to every Oklahoma site, guaranteed it was his birthright to go to OU. And then at the last second, not only did he not select Oklahoma, but he said, I chose Mizzou over Georgia, which is just delicious. Love it so much. It was great. That has been the weirdest subplot of this recruiting, uh, of of this player in particular. I'm not going to say that I frequent other teams' message boards or am intimately familiar with Oklahoma fan base. But wow, they were hostile and they were confident. And I don't know where the hell that came from. I know uh, Lee Summit North's uh, football coach is an Oklahoma grad, if I remember correctly. And I know he sent a lot of kids there, including Caden Green. But wow, they, uh, what was it, dead in the water? The Missouri deal was dead in the water, I think was the phrase used. Um, and, and here he comes. Yeah, it was between Mizzou and Georgia. And then at the end of that, I don't know if you saw this, BK, but now they're like doing Zapruder film analysis and saying that his body language is clearly showing that oh he doesn't God. want to say these things. And it's his mom who kept looking at him and telling him how great Missouri was. And like, you can see the body language. She doesn't want to be there. You can see that it's the parents that are making, like put him in timeout and made him go to Mizzou. I'm just like, I don't know what planet you all live on. I know it sucks to miss out on a five-star, but my God. Leave the kid alone. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Oh. And yet here we are. Uh, he is going to Mizzou. And dude, they needed this. Like Eli Drinkwitz needed this so bad. We had been talking going into really like mid-July about how this class was, first of all, really thin. And second of all, just in terms of numbers, like they had 
eight eight commits or something like that by mm-hmm. by early July. And second of all, was seriously missing some star power. You had zero blue chip recruits at that point in time. Well, since then, Nick Rodriguez, four-star linebacker out of Fort Lauderdale, has committed. Love him. Think he's one of the best players that I've seen um, on film, just the huddle stuff that we're able to see publicly um, since I've been taking over doing the recruiting stuff for Rockham. James Madison, wide receiver, same school, four-star, really good player. Reminds me a lot of Bud Sasser with the way that he plays. Cameron Keys, three-star player, but super athletic and very long. Brian Huff, four-star linebacker, crazy athletic, long, nice. All of these good things. Still missing like a top-of-the-class type of a guy, though. To go out there and then add the top player in the state of Missouri, a guy that as recently as, what, two months ago, nobody thought Mizzou had any chance to be able to get. We thought it was possible, hey, 0 for 10 in the top 10 players in the state. Two months ago, that felt likely. We said that, yeah. And now you have the top player in the state, one of the top five players, depending on where you look in the country, and he's coming to your school. And he's going to help rebuild what was previously known as D-Line Zoo, and he's going to be able to play. He kind of reminds me, like, I haven't watched his film yet to be totally candid, um, but body type-wise and what everybody's saying about him, kind of Coney Ely-ish. Mm-hmm in terms of the way that you can utilize him like up and down the defensive line, man, those are some super valuable pieces. And in 2023, when you got a defensive coordinator that I trust to use that guy the right way, whew, that could be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. And you have two defensive line coaches who've done a hell of a job of developing their guys. Um, you know, especially with coach peoples on the edge, um, you know, he kind of came in somewhat unheralded kind of under the radar, but you know, he took DJ Coleman, an FCS transfer, and made him something <laughs> within four games. He was he was already getting starting spots. You know, Isaiah McGuire had a great year. That really all of the defenses last year as a unit did well uh, across the board. And now you're going to add someone like this on top of it. Like you said, number three player in the country, mm-hmm. depending on who you're looking at, but the best strong side defensive in the country, the best player in Missouri. We talk about how you build a championship caliber team. I'm not saying that that's what Missouri is doing right now. You gotta, you gotta finish over 500 before you start talking natties, bro. Uh, but if you need, if you're going to be doing that, there's a couple ways to do it. The number one is to get five stars at every position. Okay, cool. Not even Georgia and Alabama can do that. The other way is to get, you know, build up your lines, offensive line, defensive line, and this is one. This is along those lines of, of that thinking, like really beef up a, a defensive line or an offensive line, and ideally both. But you know, even then, you're probably not going to be able to do that. So, what can you do? You can rip off a page from the Clemson model, and then get the four and five stars that affect the passing game. Get a four. Get a blue chip or quarterback, receiver, tackle, defensive end, cornerback. If you can focus your efforts on getting blue chippers there and then fill out the lines and the running backs and the linebackers and the safeties with good three-star kids that, that buy into your system, buy into your program, buddy, you can get a little bit of a shortcut and you can have some dynamic players at where it matters the most, which is the passing game. And Missouri got a blue chipper on the receivers, just got the best defensive end out there and could potentially get another great receiver, another five-star receiver coming in. This is this is a great way of doing it. This is the way a lot of teams have done it when you're kind of in the middle of the pack program and it's not coming together yet. He's not on campus till next year. But man, it is it is promising. It is good. Like you said, it's exactly what Eli Drinkwitz needed. 
this is one of those recruitments too. I, it almost there are certain things. So uh, let me let me give you a little anecdote first. So when Black Panther came out, everybody and their mother said, "Best movie you'll ever see. Best movie you'll ever see. Best movie you'll ever see." And so you have that as your expectation, right? You go see the movie, and you're like, "Man, that was that was really good." But you almost feel kind of deflated because you're like, I, "Best movie I've ever seen feels a little strong for what was like a comic book movie." Ultimately, like, don't get me wrong, great movie, really enjoyed it. Would I put it up with like Shawshank? No, probably not. So it almost fell like below expectations because of the high praise that people placed upon it, right? And so. When you get a recruitment like this, I bring that up because I had zero expectations until the last like week and a half. Mm -hmm. Whereas with like Luther Burden, there was the long drawn out process. Doriel Green Beckham, long drawn out process of you feeling the entire yeah. time. And we've been kicked in the gonads a million different times with guys that kind of maybe made you feel like possibly they could end up at Mizzou and then picks the other school out of state, right? Um, this was different. This was Williams when Nary did that to Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. He drags them along, not maybe not intentionally, but this is just how recruiting works. And Oklahoma was viewed as the front runner almost the entire cycle for him. And then in like the last month, it was it was like watching a horse race where what horse number two is coming around the outside corner and they're making their move. And ho holy hell. In the final length, I think they're going to win this thing. Nobody saw it coming. And that almost made it feel even sweeter because there were no expectations going into this thing that he would actually end up at Mizzou. So if we're just thinking about this from a perspective of like the feeling that you got when a commit actually made that announcement, there have been very few that made me feel as happy and excited and fulfilled as this one did. Like, mm -hmm. Doriel Green Beckham was up there because it was so quickly, like right around the time of the move to the SEC. So there was just so much, there was a groundswell of momentum for Mizzou football around that time. This one was pr probably like two after that um, in terms of like the excitement level that I got because of it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's always exciting to get a five star. Sure. But the the thing that's really important, I think, especially for this staff, is that when you have, and I know Josh wrote about this in his piece on, on Eli Drinkwitz, when you have blue chippers and specifically five star guys coming to your school, it's easier for more five stars to start looking at your school and going, Oh, yeah, I could I could see myself there. And I know this isn't the first. Luther wasn't the first. I understand that. Like, it took Gary, you know, what, seven years until Blaine Gabbert, you know, flipped from Nebraska to Mizzou after Missouri had that great 07 and then followed up with another, like, high expectations 08. And then once Blaine Gabbert committed, uh, you know, that was 2008. 2009, Sheldon Richardson turns around, does the same thing. Now, I know he had to go the JUCO route before he eventually showed up, but still the point was – First Blaine, then Sheldon. And then literally once Sheldon gets on to campus, then DGB comes the very next year in 2012. But then what? Then what? Then Gary retires and we got four years of Barry Odom and just with recruiting. Just three stars, two stars, one four-star maybe in there. And like all of that momentum just dried up. Yes, Missouri had some terrible seasons, but also they didn't have that recruiting swell. 
So it doesn't matter that Blaine and Sheldon and, and, and Doyle showed up, you know, 10 years ago, 12 years ago at this point. You need to restart that cycle. And that has started again with Luther. Now you got Will on here, possibly Ryan Wingo. You start seeing this and the guys who talk to themselves, you know, they talk to each other. They go, OK, this can be legitimate. I can see myself going there because they did it and they had whatever kind of career you have. So this is important just as a as a branding, as a marketing, as a messaging to others. Come to Mizzou. We can make it happen. And that's where the burden thing becomes so significant long-term for Mizzou. Because not only did he make it cool again to go to Mizzou, he made it possible to see what it looks like from an NIL perspective at Mizzou. And I know nobody, it feels like people don't want to touch on this because it like devalues it. It cheapens what it meant to acquire a player like this. Like they view it almost as free agency as opposed to recruiting at times. I don't mm-hmm. view it that way at all, man. This is the rules. No. Yeah. The, the rules are out there. I mentioned this on the radio show today as we were talking about it a little bit, where it's like, hey, man, if you're an MLB free agency and you've got a star pitcher that's out there, right, and you want to go out there and get them for them to lead your rotation, what do you do? H- how do you get them to come there? Well, sure, you tell them about the Toasted Ravs in St. Louis. You give them a, a free visit to the zoo. <laughs> wonderful this time of year. And maybe yes. you take them down to like the – uh, the tour of the the brewery, like you do all these things, right? But then at the end of the day, the real headliner is here's the contracts we're giving you. Here's the amount of money that we will be placing in front of you to be at the front end of our rotation. And ultimately that player's decision will come down to most likely who's going to give me the most money that I'm willing to go play for. And that's what it is with college recruiting for a lot of these kids. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's where we're at, man. It is completely legal. Everything is above board. And if these kids want to go make their money, get the highest bidder of the seven schools that they're actually looking at, good for them. Applaud them. That's what there's that's what this is available for them to do. Mm-hmm. So if Williams Winary wanted to go out there and he wanted to go, I don't know this to be true, but just speculating. If he wanted to go out to Oregon to up his price. He wanted to keep Mm -hmm. Georgia and Oklahoma involved to up his price. And ultimately, he got the best NIL package for Mizzou. Good for Mizzou. That speaks really highly to where they're at as a program. And I also think that it speaks highly to what this means, at least for the next year while this NIL stuff is what it is. Um, It speaks to the possibility that it can level the playing field a bit. This is not going to make Mizzou suddenly as good of a team as Georgia or Eventually. Alabama. Yeah. But you may start to see some of these players that previously would go from the state of Missouri to Ohio State or to Alabama and wouldn't even give Mizzou a second look because there was nothing available to Mizzou to be able to close that gap. It was, hey, I can go play for Georgia or I can go play for Mizzou. Well, now Mizzou has something to make them reconsider. I could go play at Georgia and make $500,000, or I could stay home, play for Mizzou, and make seven fifty. dollars right? Okay, well, that gets your attention, and now there's something here that keeps me at Mizzou other than just the idea of I can be the hometown kid. That only goes so far. So I, I think for all of those reasons and so many more, this was a significant recruitment, and I think all of it goes back to if not for Luther Burden, I, I don't know that kids are listening the same way as they are right now because they've seen what it can look like at Missouri. Yeah. 
And two follow-ups to that. Number one, to the to the Luther Burnham part. Not only can they physically see what that looks like, it's fun. Yeah. He's a he is a chip pitch man. He no one else was doing that. And you can have whatever opinion you have about the chips. I think they're great. But like a little too much air in the bag, but hey, you know, whatever. Um, it is fun. It is unique. It is different. It is so unique and different. I don't know if you saw this. Marvin Harrison Jr. now has a bag of chips that he's pitching out in Ohio. Luther Burns took notice and said, I did it first. I did it first. And you can say, okay, not only does Missouri apparently have the NIL money to pull recruits out of the grasp of Ohio State and Georgia, but they do it in a unique and fun way that we all remember, oh, these guys are 18 and 19, and they just left the attention to. Because every time he does an ad for schnooks, or you know whatever insurance agent, the Mizzou, Mizzou online mafia jumps in there and has a has a field day with it, which is exactly what he wants. So this is it's perfect, it's unique, it's fun, and it can keep up with the Joneses. Point number two. You talk about leveling the field. Yes, I think eventually it will. Now we need a couple more local kids to spurn blue bloods before we get to the oh this is actually happening. Um. But this goes back to the point of regionality in college football and why what we talked about last time with the conferences collapsing. All those those quarterbacks in California, they went to Georgia, they went to Alabama. They don't stay in California because the only path to the playoff was through an SEC school. If you have the ability to make money in your region, whether that's West Coast, Midwest, East Coast, South, whatever, these teams, Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State, when the blue chip ratio started back in 2013, the highest it had ever been was 73%, and that was Alabama. Now there are eight teams over 70% blue chip ratio, meaning all of the four- and five-star kids are going to 12 schools because that was the only path to the playoff. That was the only path for, to success. If you start siphoning that away, you create more opportunities for playoff entrance. You keep talented players back in their home schools or just not a school that's in the SEC or, or the Big Ten. All of a sudden, you have parity back in this sport. Not a ton, but a little bit. And NIL can help do that. It's certainly helping Missouri. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of other states that are going to jump in and try and do this too. But that is in the end, it's good for the sport because that means there's more schools in play, there's more interest, and the kids get to make money, have fun with it, stay local, be a hero, and then make a bunch of cash. Everybody it's, wins. It's almost like a salary cap sport eventually, right? Like, yeah. For as much as we think that the money is unlimited, man, the top players in the country are getting a lot of money right now. They're, the, the price tag well, associated yes. with the very best, and we're talking like the top 50 kids, right? Like yeah. the, the literal blue chippers. They can't all go to the same schools because there will come a point in time where a place like Georgia says, yo, we've we can do like eight of these. Yeah. And that's kind of it. And so when you have that threshold where you have to look at some of these kids and say, we, sh- we can't take more. That also pushes them to other programs as well. So, and when you have a bunch of them on your roster already that you continue paying, it's almost like having multi-year contracts in a sport, right? Absolutely. Where it's like, okay, cool. So we took five of these guys this year, five of them last year, five of them the year before. We've got 15 dudes that are each making, you know, 300 grand. Man, that 
this adds up quicker than we all thought it was going to. And don't get me wrong, you can find boosters, like you'll find a way to pay it. But it's just another way that this thing can get siphoned off a little bit. And to further that point, Nate, on the the parity, and again, I don't want to go too far on this. I'm not suggesting that there's going to be 30 teams that are suddenly competing for a national championship every year. That'd be great. I'd love that. They're not. (laughs) But I do think it can close the gap a little bit. It can help to make it for where... Georgia, maybe if they were previously a 99 overall every single season, maybe now they're like a 95 because of Mm. this. And Mizzou, if they were an 80 in their pretty good years and like an 87 in their really, really, really good years, maybe now they can get up to a 90. And maybe the gap between them and Georgia, suddenly it looks a little slimmer in the best years for Mizzou. And now they can overtake them occasionally, like once every decade, right? That's where that becomes possible for you. Um. The other thing about that, the reason why that is possible is because you can also retain your own players a little better. Previously, when Henry Josie has to make a decision of, do I go to the NFL or stay at the University of Missouri? He should have stayed, but he had to go because he wanted to go make money for his family, right? He knows, hey, I had a devastating knee injury. And every carry that I take in college football is a guarantee that I am not taking that carry for money. So I got to take my chance and see if I can go make this thing work in the NFL. Whereas nowadays, if Henry Josie was at Mizzou today and was a junior and could make the decision of, hey, do I go try to be an undrafted free agent in the NFL or stay at Mizzou and maybe make 100000 bucks or $250,000 in guaranteed NIL money? He might stay, right? Mm-hmm. Like that that makes the decision a little more interesting for him. Mizzou kept the players on defense for a reason. It's not as if all these guys just stayed out of yeah. their own like goodwill to the University of Missouri. They, yeah. A lot of them got a little something to make it worth their while. Mm-hmm. So that also is able to close that gap a little bit because you can keep guys on campus that are mid-round to late-round picks instead of for three years, for four years now. So I I think all of that, when you add it up, it it makes the gap, especially as a Mizzou fan, much more compelling. Those mid-tier college football programs become more interesting. Yeah. Three of those defenders are on a frozen pizza right now. Again, unique, (laughs) fun. Pizza's not bad. Seven cheese, not for me, because I taste Provel, and Provel ruins everything. But hey. Heard that, brother. All the meats were good. The meats were very good. It was a good pizza. So Yeah. Welcome, Will. Uh, please sign on the dotted line this December. That would be great. Um, but hey, you're, hopefully you're making some NIL now. And um, I, I don't know. I, he was a very quiet kid, and uh, I was I was surprised by that. I feel like a lot of five stars a little bit more uh, verbose, especially when you see these recruiting uh, ceremonies. But he got to the point. He got it done. That he seemed legit. And I, I'm very excited he's with our team right now. So, uh, but along the recruiting lines, that's not it. Because remember that W flag stands for two different things. We knocked off one of them. The other one's potentially Ryan Wingo, who is another five-star. Uh, he is another highly rated Missouri recruit. Uh, Williams, of course, was the number one guy in the state with a bullet, but not too far behind him. Uh, Ryan Wingo is the 18th best prospect in the country, third best receiver in the country, and the second best prospect in Missouri uh, playing for U-City. So he is slated to to commit in December. We'll see if that gets moved up or altered or whatever, but I see a lot of movement, uh, at least on the recruiting sites, that are saying, oh, maybe there's something here. And on top of that, an Alabama legacy, Drake Kirkpatrick, Jr. Yes, 
Yes, Dre Kirkpatrick, who was playing college football a couple of years out of I once I got out of college, apparently has a kid who can now go to college and play football. So his son has, also has some movements uh, towards Missouri. BK, we live in a world where Missouri can spurn Georgia and Oklahoma for a recruit. Multiple five stars will be interested in your team, and an Alabama legacy is considering to come play for Missouri. How does that make you feel? Feels good. I enjoy <laughs> good. that quite a lot. Um, this one I didn't see coming. Now, we've talked about the Wingo side of things, so we can set that off to the side for a moment because I, I think the momentum feels almost overwhelming at this point. There's a long way to go. We got to yep. get to December. We'll see what happens there. Um, and let's not totally give up on the Jeremiah McClellan thing either. I, I'm not expecting it, but... It feels like there's enough buzz about the potential of him listening to Mizzou um, that let's just put it off to the side. We'll talk about that again as we get to like a Thanksgiving time. On the Drake Kirkpatrick side of things, that is surprising. That one I had just completely written off because when he got the offer from Alabama, it's like, well, his dad went to Alabama. He's a legacy. He's going to go to Alabama. Also, it's Alabama. (laughs) So you just kind of assume cornerback playing for Nick Saban, legacy player. I wonder how this is going to end up. So I just completely like ignored the recruitment. And now he's back on Mizzou's radar and every single forecaster seems to be projecting he's going to end up at Mizzou later this week. So That'd be one hell of a get. Just keep adding the talent to this secondary, man. They they have been collecting some really impressive players at the back end of their secondary right now. And he fits the profile that Blake Baker and the secondary coaches love. Is six foot, one eighty six. Yep. Uh, he's a five point five three star. Um, but I mean, so was Anus Rakestraw, and Rake's pretty good. So the, this staff likes a certain type of player at corner, and they do really well with a specific type of player at corner and. Drake or Patrick Jr. fits that bill. I am as shocked as you <laughs> that all the movement is pointing towards Missouri. We'll see what happens. That comes this Friday. Um, but yeah, there's nothing wrong with adding an Alabama legacy to your staff or to your roster, especially with the pedigree like uh, Drake or Patrick Jr. It's, it's just crazy. I, I think I was telling you, what was this, back in 2020, Eli Drinkwitz made me enjoy recruiting again. And it was really weird because I was, you know, we grew up 20 years of, of Gary and Barry saying, oh, we're going to get the two and three stars. We're going to develop. And I'm like, okay, cool. Now I'm following recruiting. Now I'm getting excited about Blue Chipper. Like, there's a legit possibility that they're going to actually end up on your roster. They're going to sign with your school. It's 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 a fun time. Uh, and I, it's it's still fresh to me. I <laughs> say being uh, overreacting to seventeen year olds picking your school, but it's it's great, and you cannot deny the recruiting momentum. The other thing that needs to come with that though is got to win some games, and I know NIL can make up a lot of that. But if you have a crushing disappointment, like yep. that's when the five stars go bye bye. That's that's the biggest thing, man. We've seen. I mean, you can make a case that Eli Drinkwitz is the best recruiter that we've seen at Mizzou. Like full stop in terms of football, um, that doesn't matter, pitch, if, man. <laughs> that doesn't matter if you don't win football games. Yeah, like all, n- none of that matters. You you can look yeah. at Tennessee, look look at the record for Tennessee, and then go look at their recruiting rankings and ask yourself, wait a second, that guy, 
got all the talent and then had those results, that doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense. We've seen this before where a guy comes in, has a bunch of recruiting success, and then loses games and then it gets fired. I I do think that there is real potential for this team in 2023, though. Like, I don't want to completely write it off that they could go eight and four, maybe even better. And Nate, I know you're optimistic about this team as well, but now they got to go do it. Mm -hmm. Last year, there was reason for optimism as well. And when you look back on those individual games, you can go through four or five of them and you can say, hey, if one or two plays, that's it. One or two plays goes differently. That might have been an eight and four team last season, maybe even a little bit better than that. But it didn't. Those plays didn't go your way. And until they start going your way, you're not going to be able to. I I keep going back to it. That September 16th game against K-State. Mm-hmm. It is going to be tough as hell. K-State is a legit top 20 team in the country right now. They are a really good program with an excellent football coach who does nothing but win football games everywhere that he's ever been. Mm-hmm. God, that game feels big, dude. God, it feels big. You could gain so much momentum if you're able to find a way. Win that thing 13 to 12, I don't care. (laughs) If you find a way to win the ugliest football game we have ever seen, God, will that carry momentum into the next few weeks? Nine and six. Fine. UConn all over again. We've seen it before. Let's do it again. (laughs) Yeah. I, 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 I maintain my, my positivity and, uh, I, by the time you hear this, you're, the the piece will be out. But my count the SBs goes tomorrow, and I know I am not the most unbiased source here. But you also know that I'm negative, Nate. Yeah, you, I can, no, actually, I, can, I I would go the opposite way. I would say you are the most unbiased source because <laughs> it, your bias goes in the opposite direction of most Mizzou fans. Uh, I will. I can find anything to get mad about. Um, I, I I was clicking through all my other count the S pieces that I've done, and it's like 15, 16 items. You know, six or seven to get to seven wins, and then like another ten sure. to get to you know. Boy, I have three things to get to seven, and I have ten total. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? I I I am buying into this team, and it scares the bejesus out of me. But here we are. Um. So yeah, this is. I said it last time we talked. I believe Eli Drinkwitz can do it. Number one, because he has to. It's, it's it's time for him to have a winning record yeah. for his contract, also for the recruiting, and also I just think this is the deepest, most talented team that he's ever had. So, um, yeah, I don't think an eight and four season is going to scare off anybody who's already committed. I think they're going to be plenty fine with that. It's if you're in the five win, six win territory, that's when it's going to be the danger zone. So I, I don't think they're going to be there, but that's what you need to avoid. Speaking of this team, before we get there, Nate, I got one follow-up question. Let me hear it. If Mizzou beats K-State, there's a pretty good chance they're five and zero. Yes, going into LSU. Yes, college game day, like big time atmosphere, Columbia uh, night game. Yeah, LSU has to hold up there in the bottom, which I'm assuming they're going to. Yeah, I feel better about that <laughs> side than Mizzou's side. I mean, they also just Jaden Daniels get the gets the hell beat out of him every time he takes the field. So like some weird things can happen, but they also have a ton of quarterback talent. So I think they'll be fine. But yeah, I would they, assume. To be fair, they they do have a game against Florida State to kick things off that I forgot about, and that's that is a really big time matchup. It's going to be tough. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
But yeah, I think it could happen. Even if LSU takes one on the chin the first week, I think you could still talk yourself into, you know, oh, is this the SEC championship preview? Dark horse, like, you know, he just takes these narratives and runs. Um, but yeah, I could, I could see that. I, I do think for what it's worth, I think LSU does beat Florida state this year. Um, so I do think they would be undefeated coming into Missouri and, you know, we get to play the uh, 2020 game again, right? You see the highlights of wide open oh. Mike Wilson uh, catching an 80 yard pass from Connor Bazelak, which is going to feel like the twilight zone. Uh, so yeah, I could, I could see that. Do you think the college game day would come, uh, come hang out? So the concern is there's some really good games that day. Uh, I went through, I, I was curious, like, what is the, what is the competition? Uh, Alabama versus Texas A&M is that day. I don't think that Texas A&M will hold up their end of the bargain, but that it's a big game. Nonetheless, uh, sure. Oklahoma versus Texas. I've heard that Ooh. some people consider that to be a pretty big game. Um, yeah. So that's another yeah. one that would be under consideration. Those are really the two big ones though. Man. Nice. Now it's sounding like maybe even SEC Network wouldn't come hang out if you already got two. Well, I guess technically SEC matchups that would have uh, top top billing there, but I don't know. I feel like one or the other is is kind of where that would end up. But yeah. uh, you know, the the thing cool. is though, like Texas might have already lost to Alabama, or maybe vice versa. You know, so there's mm-hmm. some big games early in the season that could also help to determine what ends up happening, you know, in week six of the college football season, where hypothetically uh, we might see something special on the quad at Mizzou again. Would you go if there was game day there? Would you go? I might want to be a part of that because then, then you've got the potential of this being one of those seasons where everything just kind of falls your way. Right. Mm-hmm. Because if you're, if you start out the season five and oh, let's count the F's. <laughs> and <laughs> if you have college game day at LSU. We know what that scene's going to be like, dude. It's going to be one of the more electric crowds. It'll be like Georgia last year and then taken to another level. Mm-hmm. And that's what you could have at, at Furrow Field. So then after that, like Kentucky and South Carolina are winnable football games. Mm-hmm. And then you've got on the road at number one, Georgia. And like maybe the next couple of games go poorly for you. But even then, even if they do against Georgia and Tennessee, 10 and two is on the table. So if you could go 10 and two and you had the chance to be able to go to the game where uh college game day was at the quad again, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's hard to give that up because we have now seen how rare that is, how few and far yeah. between those opportunities are at a, at a school like Mizzou. Yeah. So I'd like to, especially cause I could take a little boy there. Yeah. Well, he wouldn't be staying, but that would be a heck of a, heck of a <laughs> yeah. trick for him. Um, yeah. I don't want to go. I, don't, I wouldn't take the kids, but I'd want to go. We'll see. We'll see. You got to win the games first. And you got to put a team out to win the games. And speaking of that team, there's some interesting developments these past couple of days, specifically revolving around the offensive line. Because if you rewind the clock, you know, you go back to the beginning of this year, and we were always talking about, oh, the offensive line needs to improve. The offensive line needs to improve. We can't do that again this year, or else it's all going to fall apart. What did, what did Missouri do? Well, they got a new offensive line coach once there's left for Purdue. They brought in a proven offensive tackle from Eastern Michigan named Marcellus Johnson. He's going to be helming the right tackle spot. Javon Foster came back. Xavier Delgado came back. That's great. Armand Mimbu's still here. EJ and Doma Ogar still here. You still have Connor Collison and Drake Heisbeier. And we're like, oh, we need to get a center. We got to get a center. 
Well, just so happened that our new offensive line coach had a guy who was in the portal named Cameron Johnson. He's like, yeah, oh, we'll bring him in. So they did. Now, it doesn't matter that C. Johnson had been playing guard his entire college career. Hey, let's throw him in center. Let's see what happens. And now we're here to today. And very recently, Eli Drinkwood said that Connor Tolleson, the Connor Tolleson, the guy who started at center last year, Connor Tolleson, is going to be the starter right now for this offensive line. And we don't hear Cameron Johnson being spoken for any of the other guard spots. So, BK, I'm asking, what the heck does all this mean? For the listening audience, I just did a nice little shrug emoji. Because that's what I've got. I have no idea what it means. My hope, I'll take the optimistic route, Nate. Somebody's got to do it on this show. Um, my hope is that Connor Tolleson just leveled up this past offseason, right? He got he he was on like Super Mario and they he got the level up type of thing. He got the mushroom. And now he's just a, a better overall player at center, and he's gonna go in and wreck shop this year in the SEC. That's my hope. My hope is that. Xavier Delgado under a new and maybe better offensive line coach has become a better offensive guard. And he is also going to level up. My fear is that you can't help it. I've watched these guys play football. And even if you don't trust my eyes, which, Hey, they can deceive me. I, who knows? By pro football focuses metrics, they were arguably one of the five worst centers in college football last year in Power Five, and arguably one of the five to ten worst guards that played regular snaps in college football among Power Five players last season. So, when you can keep those guys in over a former All Conference player at Houston and Cameron Johnson, I guess you just have to do it, but. <laughs> I don't know, man. It makes me a little squeamish. I'm not going to lie to you. It makes me a little squeamish. But we have time. Maybe this is just a, hey, you got to earn your spot at your new school. Yes. We'll see what this yes. looks like three weeks from now. And even then, we'll see what it looks like in three weeks when Mizzou actually plays football into the season. Um, yeah. But I don't know. It is it is definitely surprising to me. What was your reaction when you saw this? Shock. Surprise. And that's, that's not to... <sighs> To, to downplay Connor Tolleson's contributions, you and I have said all last year, this guy's going to be good. He's just not ready yet. Yep. You can see things. They say he grasps the game very well. He has good control over the line on calling protections and seeing things. Like He's got the mental part down. He's got the leadership part down. He just he needs a booty. He needs 30 pounds of booty because he was just he's very skinny. And, you know, lighter players can succeed on the offensive line, but, like, that that seemed to be the problem. So when, you know, when Eli Drinkwood says something in the spring and says, you know, he's complaining about linemen not putting on weight and they bring in Cameron Johnson, I'm just like, well, okay, this is this is very obvious what what is happening here. <laughs> and then you bring in Cameron Johnson's coach and he brings Cameron Johnson with him and you go, okay, this is, this is locked up. And then his coach says, no, I'm sticking with the guys he already had. I can't believe it. There's every sign pointed to that not being the case. So I, I cannot believe that C. John is just magically sucks. And the American was so bad 
the American conference was so bad that they, he just defaulted to all American player. I, I, I refuse to believe that. So it's either the Kirby Moore scheme or a motivational ploy to get him to buy and shape up. You're not just showing up and getting this job. And if that's fine, if that's the case, that's fine. Because again, you, you can talk all you want on the podium when you actually have to play games. That's when you figure out what your depth chart is, who, who stands where, but man, I, uh, I was surprised and I'm not saying it was a good surprise, but I'm hoping it is because I like Clarence Austin. I'm wanting to do well, but, uh, this is the year that we should be doing great. And it seems kind of weird that the guy who was not great uh, is holding on to his job. And that's why, like, we always talk about actions, not words, right? The actions will tell you how the team feels, not their words. Where are they recruiting? Where are they taking commits? Where are they looking for transfers? And in this case, what does the playing time look like? If you're looking at the playing time at practice that has been open to the media, the playing time has gone to not Cameron Johnson. It's been going to the guys that were already here, the incumbents. And then on the uh, at tackle, like and maybe this is where we bring it up today, apparently at practice as we're recording on Tuesday evening, um, they had Armand Mimbu kick out to right tackle. I think they just want to keep him getting reps out there because that's where they deem they believe his future is going to be at tackle as they mm-hmm. should. That's the more valuable position next year. He's probably going to be a starter there for you. So they gave him some reps out there, but he's your starter at right guard this year. Marcellus Johnson, basically the entire camp, has been starting at right tackle. He got the second team reps there today just to get Mimbu some of those opportunities. But your right side is set in stone. Well, Marcellus Johnson is is leveling up this year in terms of where he's, he's uh, coming from competition-wise. And he was able to make the transition quickly and is a part of the starting lineup. So that's... That's where I find it to be so strange is that you do have technically another option at tackle in Mimbu. If this was something where they wanted to see the transfers like earn it in camp, you would think it would apply to both of the Johnsons. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know, man, I, I don't totally understand what's going on here unless they just genuinely believe their internal options are better at center. I get it. They don't really have another natural center that, could really compete with Tolleson, if we're being honest. Mm-hmm. If Johnson can't play the position, and it's hard, like learning that on the fly is damn near impossible. So that is not super surprising to me. The one that is a real surprise is that he couldn't beat out or can't so far beat out Delgado. Mm-hmm. I, I'll be interested to see if that continues as he as he moves over to guard. Yeah, I I don't know, and, and you know, no matter what Delgado has done after this year. He is. This is his COVID year. So is year. so is Johnson, right? No, he's he he started playing in 2019, so he is technically a redshirt senior. Uh, I don't know if he's going to want to stick around or not for a sixth year, but I wouldn't think um, so if he's not starting. <laughs> I kind of feel like that's not going to be the case because he could be a graduate transfer at that point, and go somewhere where he can play. So I I don't know, I don't know. It's really weird. But you had no, I don't know. It's fun. It's fun. It's also what August fifteenth, like we said. We're gonna exactly. figure out exactly what this roster is gonna look like uh, three weeks, right? Because you say real football plays in three weeks. So uh, yeah, we'll find out in three weeks. Uh, but yeah, that's gonna be the show for today. Any any parting shots, BK? I guess my biggest thing would be this: Mizzou fans celebrate like crazy that you just won one of the biggest recruitment battles that you've seen. Uh, for Mizzou this decade and, and really ever in the history of them tracking 
college football recruiting the way that we do now. So 20 plus years. This is one of the biggest that Mizzou has or will win. So enjoy it, celebrate it, rub it in the faces of all of those Sooner fans because that's what recruiting is all about. Let's be honest. Um, And enjoy like crazy because there's going to be others like these that go the other direction. Mm -hmm. And we're all going to be bad about it. And we're going to be feeling then the way that Oklahoma fans feel today. So when you get the wins, celebrate them. You got to enjoy the little things in life. And this is one of those big things. Rule number one, enjoy the little things. That's the show for today. As always, we appreciate the downloads and the subscriptions. You can leave a comment or rate us. We love all types of feedback from you all. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm Matt and H.E. Edwards. He's at BK Sports Talk. And, of course, you can follow the Rocket flagship at Rocket Nation and our podcasting outlet at Rocket Radio. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. And until then, M-I-Z. Z-O-U. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Rock M Radio, a proud partner of Fans First Sports Network. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to see more just like it beamed directly into your personal device, just click the subscribe button below. Uh, and you can find this podcast through the Apple Podcast app or for iPhone or the Google Podcast app for Android or whatever app you use to listen to your podcast. Uh, we are also available on Spotify. Just search for Rock M Radio. Uh, and if you like other sports, Fans First Sports Network uh, is a podcast network that has uh, coverage of all other teams, Major League Baseball, uh, MLS, uh, NFL, whatever you want uh, to listen and, and read about. It is a great, great network full of really fantastic podcasts. So look them up and subscribe uh, to any and all of those podcasts. Uh, Rock M Radio will be back with more episodes coming soon. Thanks. Thanks.